the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is Wednesday. That means it is hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day. We are closer Friday than we were on Monday, and we were off on Monday, too. So I'm uh, looking forward to this shortened week and uh, doing what I need to do and what I think I do best, and then that's keep you up to date on what's going on. Got a uh, news release from Family Council uh, dealing uh, with Jerry Cox, talking about the uh, ERA. The Equal Rights Amendment. Jerry, how long has that been, has the left been pushing that? Has it been since the 70s? <laughs> You're right, Dave. It, uh, 1972. That's what I thought. Uh, I when, thought when you I just I, when, graduated when you from high school. Just... <laughs> so pretty much all of our adult life, Equal Rights Amendment has been lurking around out there in the shadows. But I think finally it's 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 ended. Um, Is it done, you know, do you think? Well, I think so. Back in the seventies, um, it you know it sounded like a really good idea until people started really taking a hard look at it and said, "No, wait a minute! If we erase all the differences in our culture between male and female, what kind of world does that create?" And they began to think about uh, the way housing is done on college campuses and uh, room assignments at hospitals and. Uh, the way the military handle things and so forth. And so, um, you know, it, it really took off fast. And um, I think 35 states ratified it. It was referred out by Congress and going to be part of the Constitution. Uh-huh. And then um, Phyllis Lafley and a group of people really rose up and said, wait a minute, we don't need to do this. There was a really... A fierce battle in the Arkansas legislature, I believe, in 1977, long before I ever got involved out there. Marilyn Simmons and some ladies that were with uh, the Eagle Forum group really fought the fight and stopped it. And so that battle halted at about 35 states ratifying it. It takes 38 to put it in the Constitution. And then some states turned around and rescinded their ratification of it. Tennessee did, and I believe. Five states all together said, well, wait a minute, we take it back. We don't ratify that after all. And so the feminist organizations for years have had what they call a three-state strategy where they said, you know what, if you've ratified it, you can't take it back. You've got to live with it. And they said, we got 35. We need 38 to put it in the Constitution. Let's find three more. Well, they did. And then they took it to court the other day, and the court said, no, the time limit has run out because guess what? (laughs) 
the uh, the original amendment said if it's not ratified by 1979, then it's dead. Wow. And I think I think Jimmy Carter extended it to the early 80s, and it still wasn't ratified, and so it was dead again. But uh, the, the the organizations that were behind it said, oh well, those deadlines don't matter. Um, and those rescinded votes don't matter. We need the Equal Rights Amendment. But, I, you know, I think it's pretty much dead by now. It was the first circuit uh, in um, north Northeast. Uh, federal court refused to take it up. And I think maybe it's dead now. I hope. Let's keep our fingers crossed. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like a vampire, all right? You know, you've got to cut yeah. their heads off, drive a stake through the heart. Stick garlic in your yeah. body, drag them out in the sun, you know, try to get rid of them. Well, and see, think about the world we're in right now um, with the whole thing about bathrooms and changing rooms and the redefinition of what sex is. See, that amendment just says you can't discriminate based on sex. Well, sex doesn't mean what it did in no. 1972. Now, uh, it means your sexual orientation. And so that opens a whole array of issues so hats off to the people who put the brakes on that years ago because you know guess what we've done a lot to bring equality for everybody especially women because back then women didn't get paid the same as men maybe for the same job and we've we've fixed that mostly i think Uh, a lot of things like that have been addressed through laws and so there's a good case to be made that some of the things that amendment was trying to fix back in the 70s have already been fixed. So um, I think it's just a bad idea that outlived, it's outlived its time. Its usefulness? Yeah, its usefulness, yeah. And really, it didn't have much of a usefulness, to be honest. I mean, remember <laughs> the people who were behind that, Bella Agsbud, and I'm trying to uh, Asbud, oh, my goodness, some of the other people, yeah, Brown? Re- they were... Uh, there were some uh, really iconic characters back there that were that were in the middle of that. So I'm just grateful again that um, you know the people here in Arkansas had the good sense not to ratify it back in the day. And again, there were some good people out there that fought really hard to p- prevent that thing from passing here in Arkansas. And really, they're still around. Many of them are still around, and we owe them a real debt of gratitude. Yeah, sixty years. 60 years they tried to get that uh, basically uh, passed into law and could not get it done. And and it would. You you were right. It would disappear, and then all of a sudden it raised its head again every 20 years or so. And so maybe this time they decided to put it to bed forever, and they've, Well, Dave, there have been multiple attempts right here in Arkansas to revive it. Senator Elliott and others uh, have, you know, reintroduced it over and over again, trying to get the legislature here to ratify it. And the legislature here said, no, we're not even going to let this get out of the committee and bring it to a full vote. And so um, hats off again to our legislature for recognizing the, the just the flawed nature of this and, um, you know, doing the right thing. All right. Let's take a break, Jerry, because I want to give us a little bit extra time to talk when we come back i'd like to talk about some of the things that you see on the horizon uh there's there's a lot of different things that the left is doing right now we need to talk about them here on the dave ellswick show jerry cox with us family council always good to have him on the air we'll come back to him in just a second let me remind you about cabot emergency hospital 
100% physician-owned, board-certified emergency physicians on duty all the time. This hospital is always open 24-7, 365. That means even holidays. So uh, if you happen to be putting together your kid's uh, Christmas toy and you cut yourself and you need stutures, you can get them done over at Cabot Emergency Hospital. They're located in Cabot on 89 on the uh, Walmart side of 67167, right there by David's Burgers. And uh, they've got a radiological suite that has x-rays. They have uh, CT scans. They got bedside ultrasounds. And they have mri on site on site lab pharmacy it's all there for you uh now they're not a hospital they're an emergency hospital what they do is they take care of emergencies like cuts breaks things of that nature if you show up and you're you know you're uh, showing the signs of a heart attack they're going to take your blood sample get it to the on-site lab and know within you know five or ten minutes they can identify if the uh, different uh, enzymes are in your blood that show you are, in fact, having a heart attack, get you back into a uh, uh, ambulance and get you to a hospital where they have, you know, cardiopulmonary uh, specialists ready to take care of you. Bottom line, your emergency matters. Why wait? I can tell you this, you show up at Cabot Emergency Hospital, when you go through the front doors, it won't take you longer than three to five minutes to end up in a suite in the back so that a doctor can uh, look at you and start working on you. They'll get you back to your life faster. That's Cabot Emergency Hospital. All right, Jerry Cox is our special guest this first half hour of the show today. Coming up later in the show, we're going to talk about Gigi's... uh, Playhouse, which is a playhouse uh, for disabled children uh, or children with disabilities. And we'll talk to her about that. Ed Monk will join us top of the hour. He's got a special guest going to join us. We're going to talk about how can you train, uh, you know, with your gun and give yourself the same kind of extreme stress that you will have to face if you have to go up against an active shooter. Uh, things change when your life is on the line, and we'll talk about that uh, in the 7 o'clock hour. You won't want to miss that. All right, back to uh, Jerry Cox. Jerry, we talked about the ERA. Looks like it's dead in the water again. Now, it, it could come back. I don't expect it. It's been around for about 60 years. Just never have been able to get it over the hump, and I don't think now they can get it over the hump. I think people see or see where this uh, leads to with all the things that we're facing uh, now in our country. And with that in mind, what are some of the things the left have planned for us in the courts? Well, first of all, um, we have uh, right here in Arkansas the SAFE Act, which was passed by the Arkansas legislature last spring. That SAFE Act is really simple. It just says it's illegal to try to change little boys into girls and little girls into boys. Uh, What adults do as far as sex change surgeries and all that, it's their business. But uh, to go out here and change a child, uh, you know, into the opposite sex, Arkansas became the first state in the country to pass this protection for children. And so guess what? 
the Biden administration's Department of Justice has now intervened, and they're trying to strike down this good law here in Arkansas. Right. And so uh, talk about the left just losing their way. Um, who in their right thinking believes it's okay to do permanent things to children that uh, are irreversible uh, to try to change their uh, change them into the opposite sex? And, you know, we had, I think it was three psychiatrists and a couple of pediatricians all came out to the Capitol and they all testified and they said, you know what? You may try as hard as you can to make a boy into a girl or a girl into a boy, but you can't change their genetics. And yes, there are people out here with gender dysphoria. Yes, they need help. They need professional help. But doing a mastectomy on a little girl uh, or doing surgery on a little boy to convert them into the opposite sex is not the answer. And that's what they said over and over again. But you have the left out here beating the drum so hard for that. Well, that one, uh, I think it was a psychologist that showed up and said, yeah, I think at four years old, that's a pretty good age to be able to do this. And I'm going, what? They don't even identify. They don't even start talking about that three to four years old. And if they don't talk about it, then they don't suddenly pop up at 15 saying, I want to be a girl if they're a boy or I want to be a boy if I'm a girl. Yeah. And the psychiatrist testified over and over. They said, People with gender issues, children especially like that, those problems usually resolve themselves by the time they're about 18 or so. And so if you just wait and let things kind of work itself out, usually the the, the, the ship is righted, so to speak, and they go on and live a good life as a male or female, which is their biological sex. So, you know, that, that that's just... unimaginable that the Department of Justice would think that it rises to that level. Also, um, you know, the legislature passed a bill that prohibits um, people from competing um, in female sports, guys from competing in female sports, guys saying I'm transgender and I'm going to run against the girls and all that. Well, now you have Walmart and big corporations saying, oh, this is terrible. But even um, Caitlyn Jenner said people ought to compete according to their biological sex. It's the fair thing to do. So if you want to just obliterate female sports, let the guys go start running running in track against the girls and competing against the girls. You know, you're pretty much going to erase all the years of gain that female sports have made under um, under the federal laws. You're that right. Passed. Yeah, Act Nine, especially that. Uh, that's yeah, Title Nine. Title Nine. I, I I helped fight for that because I I saw when I was in high school, girls who wanted to play sports like boys did, and uh, I didn't have any problem with it. They wanted to play fast pitch softball. They wanted to play full court basketball. They wanted to play you know regular volleyball and all the rest. And I thought that was uh, reasonable. And uh, finally. We got enough people to get behind it that uh, colleges had to give uh, put up as much money for their programs as they did for football and things of that nature, and uh, they have done very well uh, in yeah. in since yeah. since that time. Now they want to take it away but, from them. Yeah, uh, but Dave, the, the science indicates that males are about thirty percent stronger than females, all things considered equal. 
Um, now, are, are there women that can outrun men? Sure, uh, there are. But if you take the elite athletes, the male athletes are usually going to be around 30% ahead of the female just because of the way they're built. I mean, their bones are bigger. They, um, their lungs are bigger. They just have, um, have an advantage. But, Dave, the other area that I'm really watching is that whole hate crimes arena. Yes. The legislature did this little shuffle and said, well, we're going to pass a law. It's a hate crimes law, but it's really not a hate crimes law. And they all got together and passed that thing. And it's a hate crimes light is what it is. Um, and they, they said, well, we've kind of put that to rest. And I said, no, you haven't, because the left is going to be right back at the Capitol next legislative session trying to add protected classes and expand the scope of the law. And guess what? The ink wasn't even on the bill uh, the governor had even signed it when Doug McMillan with Walmart announced, well, it's a good start. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, we're going to have to fight this thing again and again and again. It'll be like equal rights amendment. It'll just keep coming back. And in these states that have passed hate crimes laws, they haven't prevented these terrible crimes. They don't work, but nobody wants to admit that. And so what they'll do, they'll say, well, our hate crimes law must not be strong enough. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't have all these terrible crimes. And so then they come out and they want to make the penalties more severe, or they want to add categories, or they want to expand it in other ways. And I'm like, guys, these laws have been around for 25 years or more. There's no evidence that a hate crimes law ever prevented a hate crime, period. Uh, they just don't work, but people don't want to admit that. And so we talk about the left leaning on something that's um, and, and I think you and I see the dark clouds on the horizon. If you make um, hate a crime, then how close is that to hate speech being a crime? That's correct. And if you fall if you fall out of favor and say something about a, some favored group out there, then they they could charge you with a hate with hate speech. And that is true in Canada and Europe. There are people actually being penalized for hate speech. So we just need to wake up and know where these things lead. I tell people that these bad laws are never the end. They're always the beginning of something. And the left always wants to add to it. And they'll do it with this. Yeah, they're trying. There, there's no doubt. And, and what are we to do, Jerry? Let me just ask you this. What are we to do about corporations that are sticking their finger in the eye of legislators and saying, hey, you know, uh, you don't get behind what we want to do. You know, we just might have to you know, pull out of your state. Now, I don't think they'll do that. What I think is more uh, possible is that they'll just say to people, well, we're not going to give you any money for your reelection campaign. I think you're right about that, Dave. Um, you know, when North Carolina had the bathroom bill, all these corporations threatened to pull out and we're going to bankrupt North Carolina. And I have a counterpart in North Carolina does really good work there. And he said, you know, their economy really didn't miss a beat. Uh, it was all just a lot of talk on the part of those corporations. Now, yep. Can they run their own kind of people for the legislature? You bet. And can they back their man for governor? You bet. And that's the real threat, I think, here in Arkansas. If the Waltons and the other groups of other corporations want to, 
they could pour a ton of money in. And they've already done that. Um, the Waltons have given a million dollars to advance LGBT um, issues here in the state of Arkansas, including political issues. So they put their money where their mouth is. They are liberal. They are left-leaning. And they put a million dollars behind it to back the gay community here in Arkansas. Boy, and, Sam Walton's you know, rolling that, in his grave. Oh, my. Well, and that's a long way from live and let live. You know, back a few years ago, we were saying, you know, let's just all get along. Let's just all live and let live. And it's not that anymore. It's like we are going to force you to accept what we believe Arkansas ought to look like. And the younger generation of Waltons is out there. You talk about the left. They want to make, I believe, they want to make uh, Arkansas like Portland, uh, like Seattle, like San Francisco. And I say, if if Arkansas is going to be made that way, it would be the people of Arkansas that need to decide that. And, and I start and changing I, our culture. I agree. Yes. Jerry, I got to let you go. We're out of time. Yeah. I appreciate you making yourself available today. Let's do it again in the near future here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Jerry Cox from uh, the uh, Family Council. All right, back with you. We've got another special guest in the studio with us. We're going to get with her in just a moment after I tell you about PI Roofing. PI Roofing ready to do the job for you to keep that roof in perfect repair. So you don't have to worry about water getting into your uh, house. And water can get into your house in a variety of different ways. I had a leak, uh, oh, this is about three months ago. I had PI Roofing come out and find it and fix it. That's why they're called the Roof Leak Detectives, by the way. And it was one nail. Now, don't ask me how I, how they knew where that one nail was. But they figured it out because water's weird. It may not be coming from right over top of the drywall where you're seeing the discoloration. And uh, it can be coming from the other end of the house. In fact, mine was coming from the beginning of the garage. We've got a two-car garage. It's on the, the side of the house uh, away from the living room. So that's about 250 square feet away from uh, the uh, you know, the, the living room. Well, it was showing up in the living room. It was really weird how it was following uh, the, the two-by-fours and the rafters and all the rest. So they found it. They nailed the nail back in. They covered it up. They put a little sticky stuff over it, and no more leak. They'll do the same for you. All you got to do is call them, and that number is 707 3551 or visit them on the internet at piroofing.com been using pi roofing for about 18 years since i started uh, owning the house that i have in cabot and uh, pi roofing has been an advertiser here on the dave ellswick show since their inception and that was 20 years ago special guest today lynn dyer came up to me says dave i got a guest and I get her on your show, and I said, "Sure, what she want to talk about?" Said uh, there is a thing called Gigi's Playhouse, and it has to deal with children with special needs. And I said, "You got me at special needs." Um, so, Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, you tell me what is Gigi's Playhouse all about? 
So Gigi's Playhouse is a Down Syndrome Achievement Center. Okay. And we're located at Markham and Shackelford right here in Little Rock. And what we do is we provide free, purposeful, educational, and therapeutic programming to people with special needs of all ages. Um, so we start with, um, you know, a mama who may still be pregnant and has a diagnosis of Down syndrome or or another special need. Um, and then we follow that family all the way through the lifespan. And we make a commitment to that family that we will never stop serving them. Wow. That's quite a commitment. Yes. It is. Yeah. How it how is. do you how do you raise your funds? Um, well, we are a hundred percent donation and grant driven. Wow. Yes. So it depends on the the good citizenship and uh, you know love of the people of of Little Rock and the surrounding area to help you all stay in business. Has that been an, a good thing? It has. You know, our um, we. We understand that people and families that have kids with special needs, they have what we call the special needs tax that doesn't come from the government, but it comes from life. Um, And there are unexpected expenses as a family uh, who has an individual with special needs, whether that's, you know, extra doctor appointments or whether that's a special car seat or, you know, a a special kind of diet, whatever that is. And so we never want to charge that family. So what we do is we encourage the people that are around that family, the grandmas, the grandpas, the aunts, the uncles, the coworkers, the churches, all of the people that support that family already to surround them and help provide for Gigi's Playhouse. Wow. That's a concept, and it works, doesn't it? It does. It does. So far, it has. <laughs> yeah. Two years and going. Okay, so two years. Who who were the people who started this? Were you one of the initial uh, people who got this going? I was. Um, there was a group of about 14 of us that were sitting around a, a table one night, and we looked around, and we said, you know, all these Down syndrome organizations and all of these uh, supportive organizations here in Arkansas are great, but there is no physical home for a place where we can go together that we were in a conference room in some, you know, high rise and we were meeting about something else. And we thought, why do, why are we renting a conference room? Let's build something. Okay. Um, and so Gigi's playhouse is actually a nationwide organization. Okay. There's 60 playhouses across the United States and Mexico. And we are one of them. We were number 46 in opening. And since we opened in 2019, the other 24 organizations, the other 24 playhouses have opened across the United States. Now, let's talk about that, because in that time, we had a worldwide pandemic. Yes. And so you got 20 more playhouses together during Mm -hmm. that time. Yeah. That is an achievement. Yeah, Uh, it is. It is. And it's a testament to the need that's out there. You know, you can't um, you can't build something and make it successful if there's no need. And these playhouses are built and then they fill that need and communities realize that. And even it's some some communities don't even realize that there's a need there until that need is filled. And they say they say, oh, wow, look at this. This is amazing. So talk a little bit about Down syndrome, because used to be that was almost like saying your child had cancer. I can remember that. All right. Uh, it is not that way any longer. In fact, I'll, I'll be the first to say Down syndrome children are some of the most loving children mm-hmm. I have ever been around. They are. And uh, this is a this is quite an achievement that you all have done. Thank you. So, so Down syndrome is caused by a third copy of the 21st chromosome. So it's genetic and it starts when the first cell divides. Um, and it's not something you grow out of. It's not something that we, we know the cause for. 
Um, there's it affects people of all races, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all um, ages, and um, it's not just older mothers. I mean, there's a lot of myths out there that um, that have come with Down syndrome, and it's it. I mean, I was 24 when I had my daughter, uh, and she has Down syndrome, mm-hmm. and she is the light of my life, and and she's she's beautiful, and like you said, they have this amazing positivity. Um, well, they have a capacity for love that is yeah. just seems like to me above the average person. Yeah, and it's true, and it's honest, and it's real, and and it's there. Yeah, they ain't yeah. faking. If they love no. you, they ain't faking <laughs> it. That, there's no doubt about about that. No. So yeah, you were 24. Mm-hmm. The the big um, myth, as you said, that has been around since I was a young guy, which is a long time, uh, was age. If mm-hmm. you were older mother if you were in your in your 40s your chances of having a down syndrome child was higher they found that that is not the case well the average age to have a child with down syndrome is 28 okay so and that's based on cdc statistics so yeah um they the more research that goes into down syndrome the more that we find out that some of these things that we thought we had we knew and some of the you know treatments that we thought we had and they just aren't exactly right so it, more research is needed as a matter of fact down syndrome is one of the least is the absolute least funded um, diagnosis by the National Institute of Health uh-huh. um, but it is the most common chromosomal abnormality so it, it, there's more people that have it, but for whatever reason, it is the absolute least funded as far as research goes. You don't squeak enough. <laughs> right? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm squeaking as loud as I can. Yeah, you're doing good right now. That, <laughs> Thanks. That you're, absolutely, you're doing Thanks. exactly yeah. the right thing. I mean, there's there's diseases uh, that are out there that they get bunches of money because mm-hmm. they have a couple of celebrities that show up in front of committees and they become then the as I like to call it, the disease du jour at that point, mm-hmm. when not the most important disease that may be out there. And I'm not saying that some people deserve to live lives differently than others. I'm just saying that the more people that are being in, impacted by something, more your funding should be coming towards those folks. And in this case, uh, these folks need some help. Yeah. And the parents need help. Yeah. That's probably probably the number one thing. Right. The parents need help. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's what um, that we've found out here at Gigi's Playhouse is that we support not only the person with the disability, but we support the entire family unit. Um, so, for example, we have a respite program. Respite is in layman's terms like special needs babysitting, kind of. Sure. Um, but it's done by professionals. Got to have a break. Yes, and so we have a respite program that actually starts next weekend. Um, and runs weekly on Sundays, and then it's going to run monthly through the school year uh, for three hours uh, every single session. And uh, we've partnered with the Arkansas Autism Foundation to be able to offer that. That's also something that we do. We don't. We're not exclusive to people with Down syndrome because we understand that the needs of a person with Down syndrome are very similar to that of a person with autism okay. or the person with another special need. Um, and so we're very inclusive and we want, you know, we're not, we're never going to be like, oh, well, you don't have, you know, whatever. So you can't come in. We want anybody that needs help to come on to Gigi's. All right. We're going to call, uh, come uh, talk more about this as we come back here on the Dave Ellswick show. we got to get our final break in for this hour, though. Let's do that. I've been talking about Dustin Turner for quite some time now. 
and uh, with the housing market still hot but cooling i want to remind you about that they used to be that houses were going on the market and selling in minutes now it's taking days uh for your house to to sell on the market i uh am convinced enough that i had dustin come out to my house look at my house and tell me where i was sitting he'll tell you you know a few different things one he can tell you you can sell it as is by making just a few minor adjustments to it uh if you don't want to make it 100 percent, you can do that and uh, and get a good price for it uh you can do all the work that's necessary and make it as perfect as possible and then take and put that on the market and try to get the top dollar for the the house or if you're really trying to move it fast he might just make a uh, offer to you himself those are all things that you know can happen uh, when you're putting your house up for sale but now is the time not as many houses as needs to be on the market more people wanting houses than houses on the market and money is still pretty easy to come by although interest rates are starting to rise and that could cause the kibosh on this whole thing and cool the market completely down i uh, i've always told you that uh, this is the only agent i'd call if i got ready to sell my home and i did so that tells you something right there uh, what you need to do is call him as well have him come out to your house take a look at it and uh, go over the whole situation and he will do that he'll walk through the house with you he'll point out areas that you need to repair 501 952 2969 501 or go to home team all right we've got about nine minutes left i want to really spend a lot of this on uh, with katie here talking about uh, Gigi's playhouse and how they can work with your local church look church is a place that a lot of this stuff should be done and this is an opportunity to get some training for your uh, uh, people who work in these uh, ministries at your churches. Tell us all about that, Katie. What What is it like? What What goes on? How do they get it done? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So this is a new program that we're starting up. And what we realized is that um, most families, one in five families, actually have somebody with a disability in their home. Okay. So that's 20% of the population. That's a lot. That's a lot. And we, in my talkings with different people in the community, we figured out that churches really don't necessarily, if they're honest, feel super equipped when a person with special needs come in to be able to meet the needs of that family. Mm -hmm. And they really don't know how to reach that 20% population. Um, you know, how do you target marketing and how do you target your um, your church towards saying, hey, we are friendly to people with special needs? That's something that we can help with. Um, I'm uniquely qualified because I have a degree in youth and children's pastoring and I am actually have previous uh, history as a children's pastor. Um, and so Where I know. At? Uh, well, a couple different places. Community Park Church here in Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a church in uh, Oklahoma City, and then I've also done uh, children's ministry in Kansas. Are churches becoming more open 
to this type of ministry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As Fantastic. The yeah, yeah. As the community's mindset broadens, that's reflected in the churches. And I think church has always been a place where people are accepted and they're they're loved and they're encouraged to come. And, you know, in a, in a perfect church, somebody would come in with a child with special needs and that family would feel totally comfortable and drop that kid off in children's ministry or youth ministry, whatever that is, or feel like they could bring their adult into service and, you know, have that confidence that they're going to be accepted. It's not always the case. Um, So we want to help churches just go that extra mile and put that out there and say, look, we are um, friendly to people with special needs. Yeah. We, I go to new life church out in Cabot Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we work with special needs folks. I mean, and, you know, you brought up something important just in what you were talking about. You said they're adult special needs mm-hmm. person. And uh, we've got several people like that at uh, at uh, uh, the church. And some of them have things like Tourette syndrome and, and things of that nature. And we just look past that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do. Yeah. Well, they're they're a person. They're not a diagnosis. That's and exactly so- right. That's that's how we've got to we've got to look at them, because, I mean, I I think that's exactly how Jesus would see them as they would see he would see the person, not not what they are or, or, you know, their their diagnosis that they're dealing with. Um, So we as the church have to be those hands and feet and have to reach into that. And it's no fault of people who are not familiar with people with special needs. Before I had my daughter, I had never met a person with Down syndrome. And so I had no idea what to expect. And now she's eight years old. And the deeper and deeper I get into this, the more friends I have that have special needs. And I can genuinely call them friends. They're, they are my, they are my very good friends. I have a, a very good friend who's 55 years old. Uh, his name is Dennis Dixon. Hi, Dennis, if you're listening. Um, and he lives in BB with his wife. Uh-huh. Um, and he is a retired auto mechanic and he has Down syndrome. Okay. And, you know, he just shattered every glass ceiling that was put before him. Um, but he's, he's one of the most amazing people that I've ever met. And I, I think people are remiss if they look at somebody and they see a diagnosis. So I want to officially, I want to reach out and intentionally help the church reach this population. All right. So what's the training like? So it starts with a 45 minute consultation. Each church is different. Your size is different. Your staff is different. Your resources are different. I don't want to come in and say, oh, you need this, 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 this before I know what you already have. Right. So it's a 45 minute consultation. You tell me what you have, what your church building looks like, uh, what your staff looks like, what your curriculum looks like and where you want to go. If you want to focus on reaching these families because you already have a ministry or if you want to focus on, you know, building something that you've that you've never done before. Um, And then after that 45 minute consultation, I go away and run all the numbers and build this training and we can come back and either do a two hour or a four hour consultation training uh, for your staff for up to 40 people. Uh, We can train all of your Sunday school teachers, all of your people that work with kids, some of your worship pastors, what what it means for, um, you know, somebody with sensory issues to be in a worship service Mm -hmm. um, and how to, you know, how to recognize that and how to maybe guard against that, that kind of thing. Yeah, you don't want to overload people Mm -hmm. that can be overloaded. Exactly. what you don't want to do. All right. So that's fantastic. Somebody that's interested if and by the way, I'll write all this down and put it on my (laughs) Facebook as well. Uh, share this if you would from the sh- uh, from the Facebook with all of your uh, Christian friends and church going friends, and uh, let's kind of help build on this and help Katie out here. She just needs to get the word out. I think that's all that needs to be done here. So you tell me, uh, 
Katie, for people who want to do this, what do they need to do now? How do they contact you? So you would call me um, and schedule it. And since I'm out on appointment, sometimes I'll give you my cell phone number. It's 501-943-2193. You can call that or text it. It's 501-943-2193. Um, you can call me or text me anytime. And you can also check out our website. We've got information on our blog about this. And what's the website? The website is www.ggsplayhouse.org slash Little Rock. Um, ggsplayhouse.org slash Little Rock. And uh, then up at the top, you just click blog, and it's the first one on the top. It talks okay. about special needs ministry training. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm really I'm really pleased I had didn't know that this was coming, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you're really in my wheelhouse right now about uh, talking all this, and this is good. This is very, very good. Uh, now, for the folks who want to help you out, yeah, all right, because money is necessary to make things happen. Yeah, where can make people make uh, their donations to? Is it just go? You could just go to ggsplayhouse.org and slash donation or something like that almost um because every playhouse is locally owned and operated you want to make sure you have that slash little rock in there okay um because otherwise it'll go to our national office in chicago which is helpful but doesn't necessarily help us here in arkansas gotcha um so we want to go to ggsplayhouse.org slash little rock and then there's big green donate button right there on the top um they can donate every money raised every dollar raised stays right here in arkansas to stay and and help people in arkansas all right are you uh can they write you off yeah no no no. yeah we're <laughs> I, I, like I hope we don't write off I don't mean tax write off yes. yeah tax write off yeah 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 absolutely we're a 501c3 nonprofit and tax donations uh tax deductible everything's 100 percent tax deductible okay uh-huh yep we we'll get that happening, then. Thank we'll you. Put you, yeah. put you. By the way, can I just mentioning something? If you do a lot of shopping on Amazon, go to their Star program, and you can put down Gigi's Playhouse. I'm sure is. Yeah, Amazon Smile, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, when you're on Amazon Smile, you go to smile.amazon.com. Uh, it's the exact same Amazon.com gives all you the exact stuff. There's no extra charge, but then Amazon takes a portion of your purchase and donates it to a charity of your choice, and you get to designate when you go to smile.amazon.com. But it doesn't work from the app. You just got to do it on a computer. Yeah, and I will tell you what. It's a small part, but enough people do it, it mm. becomes a big part. It does. It, it really does. does. It adds up. It really does. G- Katie, we're out of time. So, again, let me give that uh, website, ggsplayhouse.org slash LR. No, little, little Rock. rock. Yeah, little put Rock. Yeah. Little Rock. Spelled out. Mm-hmm. I put LR for Little Rock right there. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. I appreciate you coming in today. Thank you. Thank Ed you. Monk's next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, let's move into our uh, final hour today, 7 to 8 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show 101.1. Typically, we'd have Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman on and make our trip 
weekly trip up to Washington. Uh, not going to do that today. They got some other things going on. Kind of a shortened week getting in, and then they've got things that they got to do. So uh, they got their their back up against the wall right now, taking care taking care of things. It's good to have you with us. Ed Monk walks into the studio, brings me a cup of of Joe. You can't bring me anything better than some coffee if you're coming to the Dave Ellswick show. And with that in mind. Uh, there's a special teaching uh, seminar coming up uh, with Ed and his crew uh, at Last Resort that we need to talk about that. Uh, John Hearn is going to be here, and he's going to talk about something that probably is not the most pleasant subject, but it's a very important subject because there's a lot of you that are listening to my voice right now and, and say, well, if I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard a noise that I did not recognize, I know exactly where my handgun is or my 12-gauge is, and I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask you, have you really walked yourself through that? Yeah. Have you visualized everything that you would do if you were you thought somebody had broken into your, into your home? And uh, there's one thing that is very tough to to do uh, when you're trying to present pre- prepare yourself for that kind of thing, and that is to raise your level of stress up as high as it will be uh, during that particular phase. I mean, if there's an encounter, I'm going to tell you right now, your stress is going to go way up your adrenaline is going to shoot right through the ceiling and that affects the way you think the way you act and uh, it can it can be the difference between life and death can it not yes and it's it's physiological it's going to happen so it doesn't matter how tough you think you are or how brave you think you are it's just the way that we've been wired at the human factory your your brain is going to digress to some extent and you're not going to be able to think as quickly and as logically and as well and your body is not going to perform as well when you're under stress. Those people who, if they can remember if they've ever done it, starting out public speaking when they got up there. I mean, that's not that's stress. For a lot of people, that may be the most stress they've ever been in their life. Yep. But they're not, they're not about to die. But, yeah. you know, they, their mouth goes dry. They can't remember what they rehearsed. They shake a little bit. Well, this is that on steroids. Uh, and those of us that have done some gun training, uh, they've probably heard it talked about. But uh, John, who we're going to have here at the end of the month or at the beginning of next month, he goes into the detail of why it happens, uh, to understand why it happens, when it happens, and then how we can train ourselves to perform better under that kind of stress. Uh, Those of us who follow this uh, have seen videos, the Kehoe brothers shooting with uh, State Trooper and the Kehoe brothers, and there's many others where you can watch videos of people shooting at each other, gunfights between citizens or cops and citizens that happen three, four, five yards away. I mean, that close, multiple shots fired and nobody gets hit because they're just what John would call emotionally shooting their gun. They're pushing their gun out and pulling the trigger and screaming at the other person with their gun. They're shooting emotionally and they're not shooting logically, which is to apply the sights and trigger, sights and trigger, sights and trigger. And what, one of the things John debunks is uh, 
a lot of people have said and will still say, we, we and under that much stress with that little time, you can't no you can't use your sights. You know, just just practice pointing the gun and shooting it, not actually aiming with not the sights. True. Yeah, and he debunks that. He he goes into the studies that supposedly were done on that and why they're wrong. Uh, and you know, people say, well, it's not natural to shoot a gun. You will revert to what is natural. So using the sights is not natural. You won't do that under stress. Well, driving a car is not natural. If you've never done that before and practiced that before, you will not do that very well. Watch your teenager, if you're teaching them to drive, how stressed they yeah. are when they get behind the wheel. When, when you first, and you have, to, you have to walk your brain through everything mentally. You have to walk your body through, take off, oh, there's someone stopping. I see lights. Take the foot off the accelerator. Put it on the brake. And now you can drive while texting you know, driving with your knee on the steering wheel, and a lot of times you'll you'll put on the brake before you actually consciously realize the car in front of you is yep. put on his brakes because it's just so natural now. Yeah, you've done it that way. Yep. Um, so you can use the sights, it, but it's practice. You can, you know, operating a chainsaw is not a natural thing. You have to train yourself to do it. You know, landing a jet on an aircraft carrier at sea is not a natural thing. You have to train yourself to do it. So that's some of the things that John will talk about. Yeah, let me let me give everybody the title of that. It's who wins, who loses, and why. Yep. Understanding human performance, and that's when death is right in your face, basically. Yep. I started going to what's known as the Tactical Conference in 2013. I've gone every year except one since then, and that's because it sold out before I bought my ticket for it in 2015. Uh, and I, that's where I saw John. I think I saw him. Uh, at the, it was in Memphis in 2013. 14. I saw John Hearn for the first time, and his lecture just absolutely blew me away. The research he's done on it, his way to present it. The only negative I would say about John's presentation is it's so fast. He puts out so much information, and he provides you with, he's going to provide you with PowerPoint uh, notes, and you'll see his slides, but you will still be taking notes so fast because of the way he presents the information. It's just, I've been to presentations where you know, the saying is they packed 15 minutes worth of information into a two-hour presentation. There was just right. a lot of fluff. John's the exact opposite. You're going to get information after information, videos, examples, studies, etc. It's fascinating. If, you're concer- if, if you have an interest in how people, and specifically you, how you will or will not perform under the stress of a violent attack, this is, this is the best I've ever seen, and I've seen quite a bit. Now here, and, and let me just jump off of what Ed is saying here. Why did you buy your weapon? Why did you buy your handgun or your shotgun or whatever? If you talk to most people, they'll say, I did it for self-defense or protection. Why would you say you're doing that and then not do the necessary training to be sure that you can do just that? Because there's more than just pointing and shooting a gun. There's a lot more that goes into it. There's a lot of mental work that goes into it. You call that the software. Everybody wants to talk about the hardware, the gun, the holster, the magazine, the ammo, but they don't want to talk about the software. Yeah. You know? They think, well, if it it happens, I will rise to the occasion and perform well. That's not the way it works. A lot of soldiers don't and haven't. A lot of cops don't and have it. And a lot of citizens don't have it. You won't rise to some higher level you've never performed at before. Uh, you will shrink down to your level of training or level of no training. I mean, that's why in the military you have exercises and you do it over and over and over again. 
hoping that your training will kick in when the balloon goes up. Yep. And it's not only how to perform physically under stress, it's how to think. So, you know, the the leaders are doing planning and analysis and reacting that's under stress. And you see quite often that the, you know, the brain and he'll probably go into this, I'm sure, but the the brain has, you know, three different levels based on our evolution. And you, the, when everything's calm and you're happy and it's good, you're, you know, you're thinking at the highest level human brain with reasoning and thought and logic. But when you get under stress, uh, a lot of times the brain will, your brain function will reduce down to a lower level. Yeah, you do, won't be do, able to think through Is things. it normal for most people when faced with these kind of dire circumstances that they that they regress kind of to a primal level? Yes. That's exactly what happens. Uh and that's that's where our fight flight freeze, you know, that's basically like a lizard. That's you know he's got three programs. Your Push id, one. your id gets involved, yeah. and that's about it. Yeah, and you know, like I said, in the military, twenty four years, and in uh, law enforcement, and in you know over that of professional firearms training, you see a lot of the times people make mistakes, and when you review it, they'll say, I, "Why did I do that? I knew, I knew better than that. Why mm-hmm. did I make that mistake?" Well, when you're under a little bit of stress, your brain doesn't work as well. All right, let's get a break in, Ed, and then we'll come back and and talk some more. Uh, I understand that uh, your guest is going to call in today. Should call in about 7.30, yep. Okay, so we'll be talking to him, and uh, you'll get to hear what he has to say. Let me just run over real quickly some of the topics to cover in this uh, presentation. Origins of the human animal and implications, how the human brain functions, uh, common misconceptions addressed, heart rate as destiny, task complexity relevancy myth natural responses are better startle reflex real uh, realities front sight focus is it possible not getting shot by first responders uh, value of physical fitness trigger realities and negligent discharges understanding your eye dominance and best ways to practice and train that's not all of them that's about a third of the different topics that yeah. you're going to hear uh, during this presentation, so we'll get uh, we'll talk more about that. And again, uh, Mr. Hearn's going to join us in the next half hour. Pat Davis wants you to call him. Yeah, he's going to give you a phone number five zero one six zero five sixty nine thirty five. That's five zero one six zero five sixty nine thirty five. If you're paying too much for your health insurance, or worst case scenario, you say I can't afford. Uh, health care uh, insurance, then I want you definitely to call Pat Davis. Uh, Pat Davis can get your health insurance for you 30 to 50% less than uh, other people can. And he's got uh, options for you that will help you actual insurance and, and not a share plan, as well as being able to pick any provider in the nation and save money. That's always a good thing. With that, how about no copays at all? Zip, nada, zilch, none. Okay, keep that in mind. But you need to call him to talk to him how to do it. And a lot of people have. And uh, things are going well for Pat. And I want him to keep going well. Because if they're going well for him, it's going well for you as well. That's Pat Davis, 501-605-6935. Or on the web, your health 
planman.com. All right, Ed Monk is here, last resort firearms training here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, I have him on today because I just, I wanted to just talk, like over the weekend, let's be honest here, over the weekend, we had 400 plus gun uh, shootings in our major cities. Yep. We had some here in Little Rock. Yep. Over at a motel. Yep. I heard about that coming in. Yeah. uh, Over the weekend. And uh, here's the key. Uh, Over 150 people are dead right now not all of them were involved you know personally in what was going on kids were shot people who were innocent bystanders were shot and uh, we got to get a handle on this and and until we can get a handle and by the way getting a handle on it is not reducing uh guns on the street there's enough guns on the street right now that don't matter what you try to do to reduce them it's not going to happen Bottom line is that uh, people are going to buy guns and you have to get it through your head that it's not just something that's in your DNA. That for some, since you're born in the South and you got a handgun, you know how to use it and you can hit anything that's in front of you. Yeah, we see that more for men. It's don't the, it's don't the work ego that thing. way. Yeah. If you ask any man that has never played a musical instrument, well, if you bought a new piano and you wanted to play it, what would you do? They, every, they well, I'd go take a lesson because I know nothing about it. I don't know where to start. All right. But if you ask men that buy their first gun, what well, are you going to do? I had an uncle in the military back in the seventies, so I'm sure <laughs> that somehow made it through the gene pool, and I have. Yeah. Or I was in the military. Well, that could have meant I was in the Naval Reserve in Nebraska for two years. It doesn't mean I know how to operate a pistol under stress. It also doesn't mean that you know under that under extreme stress. And extreme uh, stress is when your life's on the line. Yep. All right. Uh, just because you've gone deer hunting doesn't mean you can handle extreme stress. Now, you might think when you hear a deer in the woods and you might get a shot at a, at a doe or at a at a you know, a 10-point buck or whatever, that that's extreme stress. Let me tell you, that's not extreme. I found out what extreme stress was, was on Grenada. When I started hearing that whiz noise going past me, not coming from me, but going past <laughs> yeah. me, uh, I'm just telling you, the, the, puck, the pucker factor is pretty strong. When you hear the whiz or the impact before you hear the shot of that's the That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And well, that will get your attention. Yeah, but most men that play golf, you know, golf wouldn't have a problem taking a golf lesson to try to get better because golf is not a natural act. Uh, but take it gun lessons or gun training. A lot of them think uh, we hear it all the time. Oh, I was in the military, so you know, I pretty much know what all there is to about guns. I carried a pistol in Iraq uh, in the military, but the 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 training I had from the military was abysmal, was unbelievably minimal and insufficient. Uh, so. People will say, like we talk about the crime, you know, well, there's a one in a million chance that I'll, you know, I'll be attacked. It's not one in a million. If you yeah. actually run the numbers Go of ahead, violent crime, uh, it's over on any, it's like a car accident. On any given day, your chances of getting in a car collision are almost zero. They're extremely small, but over your lifetime, uh-huh. it's very measurable. Every person probably won't get into it. I mean, all you have to do is read the Little Rock paper every day. Listen, yeah, listen exactly to the news right. breaks on this radio station every day. Or not have situational awareness and not being paying attention to where you're at 
yep. can get you in some deep kimchi. And and the, one of the most common responses by a victim who lives a violent crime is, I, I can't, I couldn't believe he was doing this to me. Uh-huh. I couldn't believe he was. Why don't you believe it? Have you? Do you not watch the news? It just wasn't your day until today. He didn't pick you until today. He's he's going to pick somebody today. Somebody in Little Rock. Somebody in Palm Bluff. Maybe multiple people are going to get attacked by violent crime, and it's and it's not always guns. It could be a screwdriver, a tire iron, a two by four, a club, a hammer. Uh, it can be any number of things. But uh, you know, you talked about the deer hunting. Uh, when I was growing up, deer hunting, we call that deer fever. When you saw the deer and you got nervous and you got the shakes, and but I don't know of anybody that got you know a, a rabid deer jumped out from behind a tree and rushed the person. You had to shoot under that kind of stress with that kind of time thing, and that's that's what a violent attack will be. All right, so let's talk. There's a topic that I definitely want to talk to John about. Mm-hmm. It's in all these other topics that he wants to cover. The innate the innate hesitation to kill question mark is there. An innate hesitation to kill. For some people, I think there is. Yeah. And I think that's what he would say. Uh, s- some people uh, have an aversion to it. Some people are more li- mo- more likely, less likely. Uh, you know, one of the things, we, the terms we hear about sociopaths, and, and that has a negative connotation, mm-hmm. but most people with some so- sociopathic tendencies are not violent. They're not a, they're not a, uh, a threat to anybody any law-abiding citizens but sometimes they will be your best corporate leaders your best military leaders uh, and that was some of i think that's one of the myths that he will get to in his lecture about uh, you know the military about how many didn't shoot during certain wars because of their aversion to sh- to shoot other humans that's something that's not talked about yeah. and re- they're really not i mean uh but I don't know if I came in contact with anybody like that because I happen to be around special forces people a lot, and they got a different mindset, and that that's something that needs to be talked about as well. But there's a vast difference between not having a motivation to shoot somebody 300 yards away who uh-huh. just happens to be wearing a different uniform than you right? versus shooting the person five feet away who's got a knife trying to put it in your throat in the Walmart parking lot. Whose breath you can smell. Yes. It's not, I'm shooting this person simply because he has a different uniform than me. I don't know him. He's never personally done anything to me versus this person's going to kill me in the parking lot for my car or my phone or my shoes or my wallet or whatever reason that he wants to kill me in the park. That's my biggest argument against things like pepper spray and, uh, you know, having, uh, what is it, uh, the things that you shoot and gives you a drill of electricity, stun Tas- gun. Tasers and, and stun guns, like yeah. that. Uh, if I'm going to use something to incapacitate somebody, I'm going to kill them. I'm sorry. It's just... I want to make sure when they go down, they can't do any any harm to me. Yeah, if if deadly force is authorized, if they've broken that barrier, as we say, and your last resort to not go to the hospital or the morgue is to shoot, then then the gun is the weapon. Uh, but you know, pepper spray. There are places where that would be. If someone just won't let you alone, which blocking your path, uh, physically restraining you, not a deadly force yet. Then pepper spray, and if you know how to apply them, uh, what well, if you're in a crowd or something, I could, yeah. you know, understand some of that. Uh, but if I have pepper spray, I'm going to have one of those can- canisters in my car that looks like a fog machine, fire extinguisher. Yeah, yeah. when it puts it out. All right, yeah. let's take a break. It's it's the Dave Ellswick show. We'll be back and we'll talk more with Ed and with his special guest, uh, Mr. Hearn, when we return. 
All right. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ed Monk is here. Last Resort Firearms and uh, a special presentation coming up August 1st. Yes. The pistol class is sold out. Can't sold get out. In yep. John's pistol okay. class on the July 31st sold out long ago. Okay. So we'll come back and give you all the necessary uh, information that you need on this uh, uh, teaching uh, time uh in just a moment right now i need to remind you about uh, david lucas uh if you have questions about filling or filing for your social security you're going to want answers that come in a simple and easy to understand way and there's a booklet out called your guide to social security and it's from david lucas financial here in north little rock we've had david on many a time uh we'll probably have him on in the next couple of weeks again it's a 27 page booklet outlines what you need to know that could help you get even more income when you file for Social Security. So if you're within five years of filing for Social Security, and that would be if you're five years out from 62 years old, uh, give get this free booklet. Just make a phone call, 501-222-3315. It's 501-222-3315. And as a bonus, you receive a free customized Social Security analysis. That pinpoints the optimal time to wring every nickel out of your benefits. Pick up your phone. Call now. I mean, maybe nobody answered the phone, but you leave all your information. 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. All right. Ed, you got John Hearn coming into our area to teach people that uh, shooting a firearm under stress is not as easy you know you don't suddenly turn into john mccain yep you know or whatever you don't you, you don't become clint eastwood yep. uh it's something you got to practice it's something you got to uh, uh you know get yourself prepared for mentally physically and i'm gonna even say spiritually all of those things have got to be aligned up, and John is going to talk to us about that. Why don't you, uh, you know, introduce him to my listeners? Sure. Again, like I said, I saw John at the tactical conference, I believe, in 2014, and I, throughout the years, I've taken a lot of training from a lot of instructors all over the country, and the very best ones that I think really have something. Uh, that's special either physical skills or mental skills as in this case we've tried here we started in 2001 to bring them in here because a lot of people that like broadway shows won't fly to new york city to see mm-hmm. phantom or wicked or hamilton they just won't travel that far to but if we bring it in here to robinson hall in little rock they'll go see it yeah and they love it so we've handpicked a few people about four of them in 2021 to bring them in here to central arkansas so people within a few hours drive don't have to pay for a plane ticket and hotels and all the extra expenses they can just come and take this training and john is one of those uh so i'll let john john how you doing I'm doing great this morning. How are you guys doing? Good. We're doing good. I'm going to tell you what, John. I'm really impressed with all the topics you're going to uh, cover here. I've been Ed and I have been talking about this for quite some time. Uh, number one, and we were just talking about it in the last half hour, uh, a guy would go out and spend inordinate amount of money to make sure that he can try on certain occasions, maybe to to shoot ten over on 18 holes of golf uh a guy would go spend a lot of money uh maybe if want to learn how to drive a car real fast or whatever but you put a gun in a man's hand for some reason 
they think that they're uh, they're dirty hairy and everybody else mixed in and there's they don't need any training for it and i what causes that is that just a man's ego I think that's definitely a man's ego. You mentioned driving, but I would offer there's probably three areas in which all men think they're experts, but uh, other people in the field would disagree with that, and I would say that's driving, shooting, and lovemaking. And I think if you get some outside opinions, uh, not everybody's the expert they think they are. I got but, John, you. you only offer training in one of those. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, that is correct. All right. <laughs> He put you on the spot on that yeah. one, man. There you go. John, what are what are the high points in the, the lecture you're going to give here on August 1? Who wins, who loses, and why? What are the, the high points that you're going to hit? Uh, so it's a very wide-ranging talk, but the, the key point is just to try to distill down a bunch of academic research into bite-sized pieces that can people can implement into their lives, as well as correcting a lot of the misinformation that's out there. That, that's been kind of my mission with this, is that you know half the talk is explaining why everything you've been told about this subject is wrong and uh, providing the, uh, the actual academic references uh, showing why that's the case. Okay. Can you give us uh, maybe one example? So there's been, uh, you know, there, there's these debates about whether you can see your front sight under stress or the role that heart rate plays uh, in affecting human performance. And, you know, you look at some of the older books, you know, some going back to 1994, they were really big on heart rate, heart rate, heart rate. Everything's driven by heart rate. Well, we now know that everything in that book was essentially wrong, that heart rate does not drive your performance, but it just kind of reflects your mindset overall. So just correcting that misapprehension about, um, whether your heart rate's driving and making everything uh, hard to do or it's the actual uh, perception of stress is a huge thing that people need to understand. All right. So, John, when a person is in one of these uh, stressful situations, and again, let me just mention that what this is about is what are you going to do when the other person that you're taking on has got a gun too, all right? Uh, you're looking down, maybe looking down the, the barrel of a gun, uh, or you know somebody's in your house, you know, are you going to go out and take them on? Or I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm What I do every night when I go to bed, my gun is by my bed. I lock the door to my, do- my, my bedroom. You come through that door, you're going to have to break it open. You break it open, I will have my gun in my hand and I will be firing at you. That's just you know, the training that I've had and, and the talking that I've talked to people about if your house has broke, been broken into. If you hear somebody ransacking your house, let them have whatever it is that they want. That's just the way I feel about that. And uh, protect your life and probably uh, maybe your children's lives that are towards uh, the back of the bedroom, bedroom is with you. Uh, if it's not, maybe you do have to leave your bedroom. But if you don't have to, Stay behind that locked door because it's and get on the other side of your bed and get low and get your wife over there as well. And, uh, you know, so you're in a protective uh, position. How many people sit down and and run through their mind what they're going to do in some situation like that? Well, I, I would say that part of the problem is that not that many people actually do that. You know, what you offered is really sound advice, assuming, for instance, you don't live in a split floor plan and you have kids on the other side of the house that yeah. you need to go and secure. Uh, other than just your bedroom door, I would offer that if you just take three-inch wood screws and secure all the uh, doors to your house, just to make it even more difficult to break in. Uh, the typical residential door is really, really easy to kick in. You just get some three-inch deck screws, anchor that in really solidly, 
and you've gone a long way to making your house safe. If you own a gun for self-protection, but you haven't done anything to physically harden entry into your house, you're doing it wrong. Very good. I like that. The, the topic that I saw that you're going to talk about that I really wanted you to talk a little bit here, I don't want you to talk about too much just because I want people to come to your class, and that is the innate hesitation to kill. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so that was a, a popular concept that goes back to SLE Marshall's research in World War II. Uh, when he looked at uh, the historical context of that, Dave Grossman did a lot of work on that subject as well. And Grossman's conclusion was that human beings have an innate hesitation to kill members of their own species. And that may be the case for some lower animals, but whenever we get to that status of mammals, uh, that just simply isn't the case. Um, people may have a hesitation to kill, but it's much more the result of social conditioning as opposed to anything that's innate, that's genetically wired into them. Uh, there was a fascinating article out there where they actually showed the um, homicide rate, for lack of a better word, the interspecies death rates of different animals. And for that to exist in, you know, the idea that there's an innate hesitation to kill would just be completely false. Yet I can show you a chart that shows you, you know, that I guess all things considered, primates are about average you know, for murdering each other, but there's other species of mammals that have no problems at all uh, killing themselves. So that whole idea of having the innate hesitation to kill um, was grounded in research that was perhaps well-intentioned, but again, now in 2021, we just simply know a lot better about that, and, you know, people will have that as a result of social conditioning, but it's nothing innate and uh, hardwired into us as human beings. Okay, so... Just because you're a human being, it doesn't slow you down from killing another human being. It goes into what you've been taught. Uh, and a lot of it goes to is we tend to have two ways of interacting with each other. We have people, the way we interact with people who are within our tribe. And if you look at this from a, a paleoarchaeological perspective, you didn't want to kill people who were members of your own tribe. You would tend to be killed by their fathers, their brothers, that sort of a thing. However, if you killed people who were outside of your tribe, that brought you a lot of social status. There's been some research that shows in primitive tribes, for instance, that uh, the members of the tribe that were the warriors and went out and killed in the name of the tribe actually reproduced at a much higher rate than the guys who didn't. So we tend to have a very good ability to distinguish between us and them. And we don't want to kill us, but we have no problems once we've identified somebody as the other. Once we've identified them as them, that's a completely different ballgame. John, just if you could try to sum it up, because we're just, again, trying to give them a taste. What are, what are the huge, maybe one or two factors uh, in performance under stress, such as a violent attack, that will determine whether you win or whether you lose? Are people that perform well under that kind of stress and people that lose control and don't. Can you give us just a couple of the big factors that help yeah. determine that? Yeah, I'd say the two big factors are your ability to control yourself. We call that emotional control as well as the skill you have. And you can win by either having a lot of emotional control or a little skill or a lot of skill and not that much emotional control. But you have to have enough for the problem you're facing. And we need to remember that the problems we face vary. So you've got to have enough of those two things combined together to be able to win. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, they're not objective impressions, but they're subjective impressions. And you can drive a lot of that. You can increase your odds just by being confident and having a high level of confidence in your own skills. Very good. And, I, and I've heard you say that at lectures, and it t always took me back to several of my military experiences when I had new in the job 
uh, didn't know many people in the unit, and and I felt okay, this, you know, on an operation, this this is not going to go very well because I had no confidence in my ability in or very little confidence in my ability in this brand new position with people I didn't know, untrained. Versus, had I been in the job a while, had a few rotations under my belt, knew my people, trusted my people, then it's like, okay, this this is not going to be a pleasant experience, but we're going to succeed because I know we've got the ability to do it. This is great, John. We'll make sure we let everybody know, get that class filled for you, because it's information people should know so they know what to do if they get into a situation I would hope they don't want to be in. All right, let's let John Hearn. We'll let, go ahead, John. I was going to say thank you. I appreciate your guys' time this morning, and I look forward to seeing everybody August 1st. All right, thank you, John. We appreciate you as well, John Hearn, and you'll be able to uh, take up this class. It's uh, general admissions, $150 plus uh, $1,076 fee on top of that, and I think that goes It's $160.76. It goes to uh, Eventbrite. They yes. get some money out of it. Yeah. And these people, again, we have handpicked these people. When I go to the just one of the conferences, tactical conference, every year, this past year it was in Dallas, um, there's over 40 instructors there every year I go, but I go to other conferences as well. So I'm exposed to a lot of instructors every year across the country. We handpicked four of those to bring in here uh, as traveling instructors uh, to give the people in this area the chance, and John is one of them. Again, I first saw him in 2014, but I every conference, every time I've been at a training event where I, my schedule was open and I could see him, I've seen him give his presentation at least three times. All right. We'll come back. We'll finish it up for this hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. My uh, guest has been Ed Monk. I hope you uh, caught our conversation with John Hearn as well. I'll give you all the specifics about this class when we come back. Don't forget about East End Towing. They, no matter the situation... East End Towing can handle it, and they have all the answers. I've told you they're part of the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. They're licensed and insured. Their trucks are permitted, and they know what they do. And because of that, you can be sure that you'll be safe while they get your car taken care of, put up on the flatbed or whatever they're going to do to get you to where you want your car or truck or boat or or camper uh, to go to. Keep keep in mind, all of those things can be towed, and uh, you want to be sure that they end up where you want them to go and not where just a tow company wants to take, like an impound lot. You don't want that to happen. You can call East End Towing. Keep this uh, number on hand because you never know when it might come up. Put it in glove box. Put it in your wallet. Put it in your uh, you know purse. 501-888-8849. And it's 501-888-8849 for East End Towing. All right, you will go to eventbrite.com, correct? Yeah, and I've, in fact, I posted it on your Facebook page okay. on comments. They can just click that link, and uh, t- it'll take them right there. Okay, who wins, who loses, and why understanding human performance when death in your face, basically. Yep. So John Hearn will be teaching that. It is Sunday, August 1st. From 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. This is not a short course. No, and it probably won't go till 6, but it is an all-day uh, drinking from a fire hydrant. Fascinating. Simple. Again, I would not have, I wouldn't have seen him a second, third, and fourth time 
Uh, and I would not have brought him in here unless we thought it was fascinating stuff. And this is going to be held out in Whitehall at 4220 Gravel Pit Road. That's our classroom at last resort. Um, about 40, pe- 40 seat. If it, if it goes beyond that, we have the Whitehall Community Center reserved. So capacity is not a problem. If it goes beyond what our classroom can hold, we'll move it to the Whitehall Community Center. I'm, so, I'm going to highly recommend you go to this. Yes. August 1 in Arkansas. Uh, so some good news here. It's in air conditioning. You're not outside. <laughs> and uh, although the sold out class the day before will be outside. Right. And, you know, ammo is hard to get right now. And even if you have it, people kind of don't want give to give it up. You're not shooting any rounds. So we're not focusing on the hardware. Uh, there's plenty of time, plenty of the opportunities to do this. We're focusing on the software. That's it's, the stuff in your cranium. Yeah, as Cool Hand Luke's warden would have said, we're getting your mind right. There you go. Yeah. And apps. And then I'm just telling you, there's a lot to that. I, I wanted, and we did talk with John a little bit about this. The whole thing of visualization. I learned this in sports. I was taught this in sports that you go through your mind. Uh, exactly, for instance, as a pitcher like I was, I went through all of my movements that I knew that I was going to meet, uh, do during the time I was going to deliver the ball, and you get that firmly situated in your mind. You build a program in your brain. That's exactly right, getting yourself ready and all the rest. Now, I talk, my wife thinks I'm nuts, okay? I've never been shy about saying that. She thinks I'm crazy in certain things. Ed has heard me say this. If I ever win the lottery, I know I'm go- what I'm going to do with the money. Split it with Ed? <laughs> Part of it is going to be used uh, for last resort. I'll be one of the first people to say that. But here's the key. I sit down and say, well, Dave, if you did win that money, what would you do? Because if you never think about it, there is the possibility you might win that money. Then you're out there just floating around. You want to know what you want to do. It's pers- you know, yep. when I would drive, I think about the same things. Yep. Well, I'm always looking ahead I'm all the time about, like you said, athletes, professional Olympic athletes, and they the visualization how much time they spend doing that and how much of their success they give credit to it. This is the same way. It, because, like, and John will go into more detail about this, it, you're subconsciously and consciously all the ego men, yeah, I can do it because I'm, I'm good, I'm macho. Mm-hmm. Subconscious doesn't lie to you. And when this happens to I you, like that. subconscious doesn't yeah, lie. Your subconscious says, all right, I can handle this because mm-hmm. my skill and ability, then you may wet your pants. You may be scared out of your mind, but you'll stay in control so you can be successful if your subconscious says i can't handle this then you won't be successful you will either freeze or you will scream if you got a gun and try to use it you will you know like again if you never heard of this just google keyhole shootout um state trooper on one side of the hood Mm -hmm. criminal on the other side of the hood not lengthways of the car across the hood they're just a couple of yards from each other both shooting at each other and no one gets hit and that happens all the time in shootings because people aren't in control because once they know that their life's in danger, they just lose it. They just lose the ability. And that's the scary part of this, all right, is that if you haven't done any preparation at all, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be all over you before you know what's going on. But if you've done some preparation, yeah, you'll be, you think you're prepared, but you really don't know if you're prepared until it happens. Yeah, we got a sign in our classroom that shows, you know, one 
picture one person obviously scared out of their mind saying, oh, God, I can't believe this is happening. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then the one right next to it is a guy with a determined look that says, oh, crap. It's my turn. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You picked the wrong guy. Yeah. All right, Ed. It's always a pleasure. Love what, it, what, I know that your uh, your your brother's got a long gun presentation. What day is that? Well, one day precision rifle class that includes a half day of shooting out to four hundred and sixty yards. It's this Saturday, July tenth. We have two seats left. Contact me. That if you doesn't want to normally happen. Okay, no. what's the number? Eight seven zero two seven three eleven thirteen, or just look at our Last Resort Facebook page, and you can contact us that way. Thank you very much for coming in today. Anytime. Hey, tomorrow's a Thursday already. Uh, Ken Yang will be here in the first hour, as will uh, J.R. Davis. I've been told that J.R. Davis will be here. And on Friday, uh, we'll make sure Matt Smith gets in to talk about new movies. Uh, of course, Black, the Black, uh, what's her name? Black Widow is going to be here, Scarlett Johansson, uh, in her movie. I'll be seeing it Thursday night, so I can talk about it Friday with you on uh, the segment with Matt Smith between 7.30 and 8. So those are some things to look forward to to the show as we move along during the rest of this week here on the Dave Ellswick Show. See you tomorrow, 6 a.m.